So they end up in real estate thinking that it's all about properties and homes and apartments and those types of things, then realize, shoot, sales is a massive part of this. How did I end up in a, with a, a heavily focused sales operation when I just wanted to be in real estate? You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, Julie, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Annie. How about yourself? I'm not too bad either. Um, I wanted to ask you, I know that uh, you've been busy, busy with lots of investor conversations, which Mm -hmm. ties into what we're going to talk about in today's episode. But Mm -hmm. tell for for the listeners who maybe haven't had a conversation with you or who don't know what to expect, you know, Mm -hmm. tell us more about, you know, why we have those conversations with our investors and what you talk about. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, the point of having those conversations with our investors is really to find out if the types of opportunities that we have are a good fit for them. I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of people out there who would just be happy to take money from anyone for whatever reason, but that's certainly not the business that we're in. We're in this for the long haul. And so really understanding who the investor is and what their goals are is such a big part of what we talk about. Um, and so it's not so much, it's kind of, it's kind of like 70% about the investor and what their goals are, what their experience is, what their background is, um, you know, what their financial ability is to invest in the deals. And then it's more like 30% talking about us and what we do. Um, but it's really a chance for us to get to know the investors, um, and see if the types of deals that we have are, um, you know, a good fit for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that ties in so well with our conversation with John Martinez. He's the creator of REI Sales Training Academy. And I, what I love about what he said was he, there's no high pressure sales in anything that he talks about. All he talks about is how to structure these simple conversations so that you're really uncovering what the other person really wants and then helping to see if your offer or your product or your investment can help them to reach those goals, which is exactly as you're describing, exactly what we do with our investors. Right. Yeah. And one thing that he's kept sort of saying over and over is that your job when you are selling is to help someone make a decision. And that is the fundamental thing that has helped guide us. I feel like from the very beginning, it was how can we help people make a decision about whether or not to invest in real estate or invest in multifamily. And we give them all the tools to, to do that, whether it's, you know, in the form of blog posts or newsletters or, you know, holding some kind of a webinar or something where we can just give more information. And at the end of the day, it's like, I always tell them the decision is on you. I, you know, we're not going to force you to do a deal or tell you got to do one or the other. It's not our role, but we want to be able to give you all the tools that you would need to make that ultimately make that decision. And so I love that he had emphasized that because that's really our approach. And he had said, you know, this is really the best approach for someone who, you know, is looking to to make a sale is to have that approach. And so um, I love that. Yeah. So whether you're investing passively or investing actively in real estate, or even if you're a business owner, you're going to get so much out of this episode. Here it is, our conversation with John Martinez.
John, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm, ha I'm happy to be here. Good. We're happy to have you. Now, okay. So, John, I know you have an incredibly successful online business, and we will definitely dig into all of that, as well as your story about leaving corporate America. But first, I want to start with your family. As I mentioned, you have five kids, which is to me, I have two kids and I can barely keep track of them. Um, and you also run your business together with your wife. So yes. let's start there. Well, tell us, you know, how old are your kids and how, and how do you balance being a busy dad with growing and running a successful business? Yeah, uh, good question. So it's it's really not as difficult as it sounds. The kids r range in age from two is the youngest and 16 is the oldest, three boys, two girls. And uh, so they're, they're pretty spread out there. It's really not too difficult because we've really focused this last few years on building a lifestyle business so it doesn't take us very much to run. We run it from home. And, and because of the business, we have some, some resources uh, to get help with the kids and things like that. So honestly, it, it sounds like a lot, but it's really pretty simple. Plus, my wife is a superhuman, and she, she uh, <laughs> does quite a bit of the heavy lifting. So, you know, and I wish I could say it was tough, but it, it's, it's not tough. It's, it's fun. It's easy. And yeah. did you always know that you wanted to, well, two things. Did you always know that you wanted to be in real estate investing? And did you always know that you wanted to, at some point, leave corporate America and start your own business? So I didn't always know that. I didn't learn those lessons till kind of later in life. You know, I think, the, the, I remember when I, the moment I made the decision to leave corporate America, it was Christmas maybe Christmas Eve. It, I know I was not working because of the Christmas vacation and it was probably six or seven years ago. And I just, I was sitting there on my couch, my wife was in the kitchen and I just had enough. Um, you know, you can only wake up so many mornings thinking, is this what I'm going to do next year and the year after and the year mm -hmm. after and the year after before mm -hmm. you just say, no, I'm not going to, this can't be the next 20 years of my life. I'm going to chart a different path. So, mm -hmm. um, it kind of hit me one day. It built up to it, but I made a decision, you know, at a very uh, specific point in time. When it comes to real estate investing, I knew nothing about this world at all uh, until I was introduced to it by accident. And I, I don't really do a lot of real estate investing anymore. I did it primarily to just learn the business for my training company and, and bought, I don't know, I think 100 to 200 houses during that that kind of learning phase. I learned that I like the training stuff more than I do the real estate investing, um, just for me personally and the business I wanted to build. Um, but yeah, hopefully that answers those two questions. Yeah. So it was Christmas Eve and you're sitting there, you're thinking, oh, okay, I've got a few days off, which is good. And how old were your kids at that point? Or how many kids did you have at that point? Uh, maybe oh, three or four. <laughs> I don't even know. Three or four? <laughs> yeah. So you're sitting there, you're like, you're thinking, okay, Christmas morning, and then you've maybe got another couple days off. And then you're thinking, oh my gosh, then I got to go back to work. And what were you doing at the time? Yeah. So I led a, uh, a team of salespeople for an IT company. Okay. So you were in sales at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so was it that you, you thought, okay, I want to get out of this and I know how to do sales really well. And so then I'll leave and teach other people how to do sales and start my own business. Was it as simple as that? 
It really was because I've, uh, you know, I kind of worked my way up through corporate America and, and I had spent the last few years building and training sales teams for different companies. And my favorite part always was that sales training piece. I was it just, I had fun doing it. It didn't seem like a grind. It was a small part of the, my job, uh, but I enjoyed it the most. So I, I said, there's sales trainers everywhere. Why don't I just take this small piece and, and create a business out of it? So I hopped on GoDaddy. I bought a domain name the first one that sounded halfway decent uh, and uh, created a website. And, and that was basically the start. So that was it. I'm curious because I think so many people are intimidated by sales. Yeah. What do you love so much about sales? Yeah, the thing I love so much about sales is really that you don't have to be a salesperson to sell well. What, what most, you know, when I started in sales, I was absolutely terrible. What kind of you know got me through my career and, and led to my success was me learning that sales is nothing more than any other business process. That as long as you can follow direction through a simple process, you can you can be very successful in. So what attracted me to sales was was learning that and then being able to teach others who felt like they didn't want to sell how to sell, who felt like they were uncomfortable selling how to sell. Uh, being in the, from the IT world in the latter half of my career, I worked with a lot of sales engineers and people like that who ended up in this sales role who they didn't know how they ended up there, but it was part of their job and they had to do it. So learning myself and teaching others that you can do it, be extremely successful at it without being weird or pushy or that stereotypical salesperson that you didn't need to have any special gifts to be extremely successful. It was exciting for me. It changed my life. It changed the lives of others. That was a really attractive part to me. I'm not, I'm not a person who was born a salesperson. I'm the exact opposite. I'm really introverted. And I love working with people like me. And I love working with people who are natural salespeople and just help them get over some humps and, and show them a better way. Well, I think these days, with the way that businesses are run and just social media and all the tools and technology that we have and meetings and all this stuff, it's almost as if everybody's a salesperson or you have to have sales skills to have any sort of success in, in anything, whether it's life or in business. I mean, would you're, you agree you're with that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because really sales is just communication. It's, sales is being an effective communicator and using those communication skills to walk someone through a decision process to kind of guide them helping them make that decision, not convincing them or manipulating them or forcing them into anything, but simply helping them make that decision. But it takes really good communication skills. So, uh, and it is now more important than ever because, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, salespeople were kind of the, they're the gatekeeper of information. So if you wanted something, you had to work through the salesperson. Today, you can get pricing specs, information about anything, anywhere. So the salesperson's role has, has really changed from being the gatekeeper of information to really assisting with that decision process. So then let me shift and ask, your training academy is called REI Sales Training Academy. Yeah. So real estate investing, I think when most people think of real estate investing, they think, oh, well, I go and buy a property and then yeah. I find tenants and then I collect yes. rent checks and maybe I fix it up. What does that have to do with selling? Yeah, kind of crazy because usually when investors are acquiring houses, they're cutting the check. So most people yes. don't equate, you know, I'm buying something with actually selling. And it, it, it goes back to what I was saying a couple minutes ago. A, a lot of investors get into investing because they, they like real estate. They like 
flipping houses. They like they like the the income. There, there's all kinds of pieces that are really easy to fall in love with. What they realize is that no matter what the exit strategy is, is it all hinges on first acquiring a property at the right price. And that's sales, right? That's negotiation. Even though you're cutting the check, what you're selling is your service or your, your acquisition for piece of the equity. That's the sale. Um, and there's a lot of negotiation in that. So they end up in real estate thinking that it's all about properties and homes and apartments and those types of things and then realize, shoot, sales is a massive part of this. How did I end up in a, with a, a heavily focused sales operation when I just wanted to be in real estate? So again, I, I, that, I think what attracted me to real estate and how I got into it is I work with a lot of people who didn't know that they were in sales, but ended up there because it's a major component of the whole real estate scheme. Can you talk a little bit about the how sales is related to like the acquisition process? You kind of were just touching on that a little bit. Like, what is that? What is that, What exactly do you mean by that? Like, how is sales related to that that part of the the deal? Like, if we were looking at buying a deal. Is it just like negotiating on the price or what is it exactly? Good question. So negotiation is part of it, but it's actually a small part of it. And the negotiation doesn't take place till the sale actually occurs. Somebody has to first want your service, want to do business with you, right? You can't negotiate anything if they don't want to do business with you first. They have to want your solution. So the sales piece is really, when you look at sales, I really look at it as them choosing to do business with you. That's the sale. They're going to have, there's lots mm -hmm. of options, right? Okay, I'm a homeowner. Mm -hmm. I can keep it. I can rehab it. I can list it with the realtor. Nowadays, I've got five, six, seven local investors I can go to. I've got uh, buyers I can sell to. So I've got all of these choices. Why should I do business with you? So yeah. that's the sale, right? Why should you do business with me versus all the other options that you have? That's, that's kind of the decision that you're walking them through. Now, only when that decision is made, yes, you are the best option, does the negotiation start, right? Anyone can come to my door right now and say, John, I'd love to sell you this, you know, pickup truck load of carrots. Well, you know what? I don't want that pickup truck load of carrots. No matter how great of a negotiator that person was, mm -hmm. I'm never going to do business with them, right? You got you to have the sale complete before you move into, okay, what price makes sense? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, so I'm curious to learn a little bit more about the, how you help people with the simplifying and the streamlining of businesses and all of that. Um, what does that look like? Like, can you talk about a scenario that a business might be in and how you might help them and what the outcome might be? There's a few really common ones. One common one is you've got an investor. They're starting to do more deals, right? They put some marketing in place. That could be postcards or PPC or texting or, or there, there's, you know, a lot of different marketing channels today. But what happens is they, they want to do more volume. They're getting deals right now, you know, maybe by luck, maybe just calling on for sales by owners, but they say, you know what, I want to do more of what I'm doing. So they put a marketing channel in place. Once they put that marketing channel in place, they start to generate leads. Once they're generating leads, they're talking to more people, they're making more offers. And oftentimes there comes this point in time where they say, this doesn't make sense. I'm talking to all kinds of people. I know I can help them. They're not doing business with me, or I see that they're doing business with other investors, my competition, and I can't figure out why them and not me. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that's one common scenario where they go, okay, there's something about this conversation that's not going right. Um, I need some help with it. Another situation that's really common, probably more common than that, is the investor through sheer will and determination and just through time 
learns that conversation on their own. They've talked to so many sellers. They've been inside so many homes or had so many of these conversations. They really had a knack, uh, developed this knack for selling or buying at a discount, right? And they know how to do it and they're good at it. But as their business continues to grow, they say to themselves, okay, I want out of this sales piece. Maybe I don't enjoy it. Maybe there's other facets of the business I want to focus on. Maybe I just want to buy some of my time back by hiring somebody to do that piece for me. Mm -hmm. And they put an acquisition manager or two or three in place and they realize, shoot, I've learned how to do this just kind of by gut feel over time. And it's very, very difficult for me to explain how to do this to someone. Mm -hmm. I just, I know what to say. I know what to do. So I, I know how to read conversations, but it's really hard to say, um, do this, right? right. So they, they struggle taking that knowledge out of their heads and putting it into a, a, another individual. So that's the second you know, reason why they will reach out to a company like mine and say, I can do it, but I, I either don't know how to, or I don't want to, or I don't have the resources to train my people. Will you just do it for me? So mm -hmm. typical outcome is really we just, I alluded to it at the beginning of, of this podcast, this conversation, it was just implementing a system, a step-by-step -step system that either they or their team can follow. This is the first thing we do. This is the second, third, and fourth things we do. It's a four-step process. And then a couple of strategies and techniques for just navigating that process a little bit more efficiently, right? Like what happens when people aren't receptive to your message? What happens if they push back or they're uncomfortable or they don't want to negotiate. How do we navigate those situations from a communication and a, and a psychological standpoint? So we give them a process and then we give them the tools to navigate that process efficiently. And, and that's really it. The outcome is they turn more leads into deals. More and more today, they win deals even when they don't have the highest offer. And I think that's really important because there's so much competition now. It's not only about winning the deal. You got to know how to win the deal when someone's offering 10 or 20 or 30K more than you. Because there's always someone willing to offer more at this point, whether it's an iBuyer, someone who just didn't calculate their maximum allowable offer correctly, or maybe they're not the most ethical person and they're offering more than they can pay uh, in hopes of renegotiating later. So that's, that's the outcome. Interesting. So what are some of those things that maybe our listeners can use to set themselves apart if they were looking to buy a property? How can they set themselves um, apart from some of the other buyers in the pool? Yeah, it's, it sounds very simple, uh, but the truth is it's about actually caring what they want out of the transaction. The money piece is, you know, when investors get started, I think most of them feel like it's all about the offer. That's it. And they're, they're going to go for the highest offer. What we have found is that people selling at a discount usually Money's a, a part of the decision process, obviously, but there's there's many other factors that are more important. Sometimes it's just, you know, our, our trainees win deals for 10, 20, 30K less, sometimes just because they're the only people who ask the questions, took the time to listen, and, and the, the home sellers feel like they're the only people who understand and actually care about their situation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's because they had the right conversation and they're just able to connect the dots and explain how their solution helps their prospect get from A to B you know, in the most efficient manner. Sometimes it's just because they asked all the right questions, uncovered every reason why they wouldn't, wouldn't do business with them. And because of that was able to offer something very simple, very inexpensive, but really helped the home seller 
be able to take advantage of their offer. Let me give you some, some quick examples. I worked with an investor recently where they couldn't figure out why in the world this person wouldn't take their deal. They said it was the money, so they kept offering more and more money and inching up the offer, but the, never, the deal never got accepted. So they said something else must be missing. So we dive into two areas, motivation and deal killers, things that get in the way of people from moving forward. Mm -hmm. And we started to ask some of the questions we teach our trainees to ask. And what we uncovered was it, it had nothing to do with the money. The reason why this person wasn't selling was because the, some of the property in the house was from her deceased father. The, the house was actually her, her father's home. She moved in with her son. The investor was saying, hey, we'll take care of everything in the house. You just leave whatever you don't want. And the problem was the stuff that was being left behind was her father's stuff. And she felt like just dumping that stuff, having it you know, gotten rid of, would tarnish her father's memory, his legacy. And she just mentally couldn't get past it. So every time he offered 10K more, it didn't matter. The deal didn't right. budge until mm -hmm. we, we uncovered that and we said, okay, so the solution isn't anything that really costs us money. What we're going to do is mark everything you think has some type of value. We will donate it and then we will let you know where we donated it, who's getting use out of it. And that's all she needed for that closure. Didn't cost the investor another penny more, but until the right questions were asked and the right conversation was had, we couldn't get past that deal killer. Oftentimes, Again, we think it's all about the money, but there's so many other things that get in the way that, that we can easily address if we just have the right conversation. How did you uncover that, that not information? Yeah, again, it's going to sound complex and weird, but it's just about having the conversation. We literally said, you know what? The money piece of this thing is usually the easiest. There's oftentimes lots of other things that play into this decision that even if we agree on a price and everything sounds good, just make it impossible to move to that next step. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it has to do with some of the details in, involving the move. What do we do with the stuff? Mm -hmm. um, how am I, is, is you know, I going to get a new place? Do I know where I'm going to go next? What problems are going to come with the actual move and moving from A to B? You know, what's going to be a pain in the butt? Am I going to have to have conversations with anyone I, I don't want to have, such as, you know, I'm sorry, you're not going to get to list the house. I'm sorry, we're going to have to move. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you know, uh, to a tenant, this is no longer going to be yours. And we list off just a number of the common deal killers we know. Mm -hmm. and we say, even when everything makes sense, this is usually the important stuff that there's oftentimes solutions for that, that most people don't know about. So is it okay if we just have a conversation mm -hmm. about those things, if, if we can help, We'll outline all the ways we can. It will be up to you, you know, decide mm. whether that makes sense for you or not. Mm -hmm. And if we can't help with one of those things, we'll just tell you flat out, I'm sorry, you're in, a, you're in a tough situation. I wish we could help. That is absolutely nothing we can help with, but maybe there's some other resources or avenues you need to go down. We'll give you those. Mm -hmm. So it's just oftentimes knowing what questions to ask. No sorcery, no magic. It's just going down that, that line of questioning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you're putting the human element back into it. You know, I think yeah. so many times when investors think about it, they think about it as a transaction, you know, yeah. as the buyer, I'm on this side and the seller's on that side. And we have to have this tough negotiation. And, you know, then we figure out something that is in the middle. And um, what you're talking about, I, I love that there's so much heart in it. It's really about being on the same side. It's not being about on opposite sides, but creating a real win-win for yeah. everyone in the situation. You're exactly right. And sometimes, it, don't get me wrong, sometimes it's 100% about the offer, the money, and that's it. 
And that's reality. But the fact is, in the real estate investing space, we are usually looking for something at a discount. And in order to get that, we've got to add some other value besides the money. If it comes down, we go through a process, we ask the questions, we find out it is 100% about the money. What we typically uncover is they're a retail seller. And we either hand that off to the retail arm of our business if we have one, or we say, this is not my prospect, and we can mark them off the list because they are not my ideal prospect. Right. So what you end up with is you you want to figure out through your sales process, through the conversation you have, the human conversation that you have is, is this person even a good fit or do we have a chance? Can we provide them with something that they need or do we need to disqualify them or hand the lead off to uh, the retail side of my business? Or, or, you know, do something differently with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, do you mm -hmm. ever work with um, capital raisers? Or do you ever work with multifamily syndicators or folks who are looking to raise capital to, you know, do bigger deals? Do you ever work with them? Yeah, we have on accident because <laughs> uh, I think we've, we've worked with now... <laughs> 1,400 different companies and individuals in this space. So in this space, all of them move into, a lot of them move into multifamily. A mm -hmm. lot of them are raising money. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them, you know, that's how we've ended up in a ton of retail branches as well. Because when you get into real estate investing, sometimes it, it grows into those areas. Mm -hmm. And our sales process is adopted and used. The conversation is used for, for all of those. So by accident, we always focus on real estate investing and locking up usually single family homes okay. at a discount. But now we work with a couple of hedge funds and things like that. Just, just by accident, we've grown into those areas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm ornately pretty naturally mm -hmm. and what is your advice around that for for people looking to raise more money and how do those conversations or how might those conversations look with investors to you know that's obviously um you know you're selling that's what you're doing is you're selling yourself you're selling your team you're yeah. selling your deals so what would be some advice around that um in terms of you know how do you communicate better with um potential interested investors yeah, uh, the questions sound a little bit differently, but it's the same. We we implement the same sales process because again, we're just we're just navigating them, helping them navigate through a decision process. Mm -hmm. And really, it always boils down to the conversation. Always boils down to two elements: why would you, and why wouldn't you? And with investors, there's a dozen different reasons why investors invest in certain areas, mm -hmm. and there's a dozen different reasons why they would not. Not every investor is or people with capital are the same. It's not always about the percentage return on capital, right? right? Some it's about safety. Some it's about ease. Some it's about how quickly they get that return. And they don't care if it's one or two percent as long as they, right. they get it quickly, right? Mm -hmm. So the conversation is really, uh, again, just about uncovering the reasons why they would mm -hmm. invest with you and the reasons why they wouldn't. And once you have that information, once you present what you have to offer, you simply, you simply connect the dots and you present in terms that they want to hear, right? You said that these are the three reasons why you invest with anyone or why you would deploy capital. Mm -hmm. This is important to you. This is important to you. And this is important to you. And these are the reasons why they're important to you. So here's how we're going to help you achieve that the most efficient way possible. Also, you told me when you deploy capital, there's a couple of major concerns you have that can either prevent you from investing altogether or at least slow you down and, and, and 
you know, cause you to really look at those areas a lot closer. You said that they're number one, and this is why that's important to you. And number two, this is why that's such a big concern. And number three, this, and this is why it's, it's such a big concern to you. So let me address how we deal with those with the way we work with our investors. So it's just about figuring out the reasons why they would and wouldn't do business with you and then explaining your solution, your investment in those exact terms. Sales is not about convincing anyone to do anything. It's about uncovering the reasons why someone would do business with you. So same conversation. Super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's you're blowing my mind right now, John. Yeah. Like it's a, just distilling, distilling this complex world or seemingly complex world of sales into this simple conversation of just uncovering the why yes versus why no. I mean, this doesn't just apply to real estate investing. It, impli- it, it applies to right. life. I mean, I, I'm thinking I can use this with my kids, with my husband. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. this is great. I mean, it's, Love it's this such, framework. It really is such a, I mean, to give you an example, here's, here's how simple the conversation can get. Uh, let's say you were talking about raising capital. Um, well, what you would typically have is is a deck or something that you'd mm-hmm. work through, and, and on that deck, you're you're really trying to guess all the reasons why why investing with you would be attractive to someone else. Mm-hmm. You can bypass all of that just by saying, "Listen, there's two dozen different reasons why people deploy money with us. I can go through for an hour and a half every one of those reasons, mm-hmm. or I can just ask you this simple question: If you did decide to invest with me or to deploy capital with anyone," else, any other type of investment at any time, why would you? Mm -hmm. Well, if I felt safe, I got a return in 16 to 18 months, and I could do it over and over again, I I would. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And now I know exactly why they do business with me. I can cut out all the fluff, and we could get down to the exact reasons why they would do business with me. Or I could figure out, listen, the reasons why you do business with me, we can't do any of those. I appreciate, you know, the time and, and we don't have to waste time. And by the way, if that investor finds someone who does fit our criteria, mm-hmm. they're going to send them to us because we know we're not going to waste time. We know we're going to tell the truth. It, it's just, it's a simpler conversation. We just shortcut everything mm-hmm. and, and speak about what people want to speak about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love this idea, how you framed it earlier of like, you know, you're not really trying to sell them anything, but you're trying to help them make a decision. And I feel like that's yeah. so much of the approach that we take in our business at Good Egg Investments is we put such a heavy emphasis around educating our investors. And, you know, really, we just put that information out there to help guide them. To And I always tell investors when they come to us is like, in the time that we don't have an opportunity, right now is your time to educate yourself, right? And that's us helping them to make that decision when decision-making time comes. And by giving you all of the knowledge and you know, empowering you with all of that information so that when decision-making time comes, you're ready to, to pull the trigger. Spot on. We, we say almost the exact same thing. It's, hey, my job here is, is not to sell you on anything or convince you to do one thing or the other. You're going to decide that on your own. My only mission is to give you every piece of information, every piece of data you need. Yeah. So whatever decision you make, you do that with, with extreme confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, let's do this or let's not move forward. But you can do that because you have all the information you need to, to not guess, but to make that decision with confidence. Mm-hmm. And if you can make that decision with confidence, I really don't mind if it's a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. My job's done. Right. I know it's going to be a great fit for a certain percentage of people. Right. I just want you to make that decision on your own and be equipped to do so. Yeah. We'll get back to our conversation with John in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? 
Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong experienced teams and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com invest. And now... Back to our chat with John Martinez. So I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk a little bit more about marketing because I know that's something that you uh, specialize in. And so I'm curious to know, so for us in our business, marketing has been an area that we have been very reluctant to spend a lot of money on. Um, And I know though that spending that money on marketing can reap great rewards, right? It's kind of like making an investment. You spend $5,000 and you make, you know, hundreds of thousands in theory, that would be the best scenario. Um, so, so tell us more about the reasons why we might want to reconsider that up until now, we've built this huge business, huge brand. We've done everything completely organically, strictly by word of mouth, getting on podcasts, doing all the hard work. Right. So I'm more curious about like, you know, online paid advertising. What does that look like? Why is it important? And, um, you know, why should we consider that moving forward in our business to scale? So, yeah. So marketing is an investment Mm -hmm. and just like any investment, you can dump tons of money into it with zero return Mm -hmm. and, and get work at a loss, or you can do quite well. Um, it really depends on how you're marketing and how dialed in it, it, it is. Mm-hmm. We got here over three or four years of really testing a lot of marketing, but I exactly 5,000 a month is what we spend in marketing. Mm-hmm. And it generates about $150,000 a month in return, like clockwork every single month mm-hmm. for about the last two or three years. Wow. Didn't get there you know, overnight. Mm-hmm. It took quite a bit of work, but mm-hmm. it's about having the right message and putting it in front of the right people. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the two main pieces that that we focused on. We kind of live by this mantra of eyeballs on content. We put out a lot of great information, kind of like you, you, you said it a moment ago, right? We put out a lot of great information. We educate. Mm-hmm. That kind of attracts the right people and the right people do business with you. We do exactly that, but we do it on a massive scale. Mm-hmm. So we have that same information, but we just do it in video or text form. And through email and videos and social media, we make sure that information gets out in front of all of our potential prospects, uh, as many as possible. So we're in front of about a million eyeballs on a weekly basis. And because of that, 
They see so much of our stuff. When the time is right, they literally raise their hands, contact us and say, how do I work with you? Which is probably the exact same, same thing that happens to you. Mm-hmm. We just we just expanded that. We just expanded our reach, but it's the exact same for us. Are you guys doing like Facebook marketing or where are you guys focused? Facebook and Instagram. A lot of people, when they look at the, the B2B world or, or the business world, and this was for years, I thought, you, you don't do that stuff on Facebook. Facebook's a social network where we're, you know, there's all this personal stuff. But the reason is that's why it's so great because that's how we keep in touch with family members and post pictures and, and stay in touch with the world around us. That's where we are. And we need our information. We need to put our message in front of where people are. And Facebook also happens to be extremely easy to find that that right target market. So even though Facebook seems to be more of a social network than a business network, we we um, 95% of our marketing spend is into Facebook slash Instagram because we can target CEOs, business owners, all those people. And even if they're just looking at birthday pictures, we can still get our message in front of them and they respond to it. Right. And I feel like when you catch them you know, Tony, I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan and Tony Robbins always talks about the state that you're in, right? And when you are in a particular state, you're able to make a different decision. And I feel like when you're in Facebook, you're at a more relaxed state, right? You're just kind of like scrolling, looking at friends' pictures. And it usually when you're on Facebook, it means you have some downtime. Um, and so you kind of catch people at a moment when they're not stressed out. Whereas like if you were on LinkedIn and advertising there, then maybe you're on there for work or you're really, you know, you're very like dialed in and trying to really figure something out or find the answer or find, you know, that connection to somebody or something that may be a different state and the conversion might not be um, as high as it would be on Facebook or something. You're 100% right. When we look at things, and I'm not going to nerd out on you here, but when you look at decision-making, we look at stuff like behavioral economics and and neuroscience Mm -hmm. and and the way the brain actually works, the decision-making state, you're actually in, in more of an emotional state. Um, you can look at all the parts of the brain that are that are um, have to do with the emotion, and that's where decisions start and are actually made before it's past the logical side of the brain. Again, I, I love this stuff, so I can easily nerd <laughs> out on you, but I'm not going to. But all that- We just, love it too. Yeah. All that is just to say that no matter what business decision you have, you don't make it unless it has some type of personal and emotional impact. If it's, you know, it could be because of ego, it could be taking care of your employees, it could be, a, a, you know, um, a number of reasons, right? A chip on your shoulder. Uh, it could be safety and security. Hey, I make 100 million a year, but I feel like it could disappear at any day. How do I get that feeling of safety and security? Every business decision always boils back down to some type of personal impact. So Mm -hmm. um, it just makes sense that they are in a decision-making state of mind and in more of a personalized emotional state of mind when your message gets in front of them. Because ultimately, if someone wants a more stable, lucrative business, it's only because how it impacts their life. Mm -hmm. Am I worrying less? Am I spending more time on the things I want to? Am I worrying less about this stuff? That's it. Yeah. I love all of that. So impactful. That's what drives Annie and I every day in our business is, um, you know, being able to get up and make an impact. So I certainly agree with that statement. All right. So we're going to move into uh, the last part of our podcast show today. And I just want to clarify something. So are you actually still investing or you're not? Because I think I might've read. Right. Right. So no. So I'm not actually investing in real estate right now. I did get into it and I'll tell you. So, uh, sales training, I ended up, uh, my information 
was introduced to a real estate investor in Houston. Okay. Uh, I knew nothing about real estate. He called me and said, can we work together? So I drove down to Houston. I worked with this team, went really, really well. Mm -hmm. And he told all of his investing buddies about it in a mastermind he was in. Mm -hmm. Before I knew it, I was working with 30, 40, 50 high-end you know, real estate companies, mm -hmm. people doing 50, 150, 250 deals a year. Mm -hmm. Just kind of got thrust into it. It took over my business. So once I realized this is going to be a massive piece of my business, I said, I got to do it. Mm -hmm. So what I did from that point on for the next year is I traveled the country and I'd work with teams one-on-one -on -one and I'd get in the car, mm -hmm. take a lead with the acquisition agent or the investor, and we'd go buy houses. So oh, nice. I've personally bought two, 100 to 200 houses. Then after that, I wanted to do it locally. So I took, a, again, I partnered with another investor who's a couple hours from where I live. Um, and I said, listen, you know, the marketing, you market, you drive leads. I'm going to personally go out there, close deals, record my sales calls to use for our training. Mm -hmm. And then once the deals are closed, I'll hand the paperwork back over to you and you disposition it. And he said, that great. Sounds great. Love to yeah. do it. Did yeah. that for six months. So along the process, I've bought a lot of houses, been there, done that, mm -hmm. but never did I get the, the real estate investing bug where, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I made that part of my business. I'm a sales trainer. That's what I love. So I've mm -hmm. always kept that focus, but because of that, I've picked up some skills. The house I'm sitting in right now, we actually bought at a, uh, about 50 cents on the dollar. Uh, nice. we're getting ready to sell it and we'll make uh, four or 500,000. So I guess we're, Nice. We're investing kind of by not not trying to, but we're still mm -hmm. making money on real estate. So okay. that is a, a great disclaimer. I'm not doing this every day, uh, but but I have been through the process a lot of times. Okay. Well, in our investing for good impact round, we usually ask three questions. And so the first one is around investing in yourself. So it doesn't necessarily be need to be around real estate investing. Um, but how what is like one way that your time investment or your money investment might be, you know, helping you to live a better life? Yeah, so time is probably the most valuable asset any of us have. Yeah. Uh, so I invest in myself every morning. So mm -hmm. I have a really dialed in routine. Um, I walk downstairs every morning. I, I don't use an alarm clock, but I'll wake up five, six, seven in the morning and I do an hour of cardio just on the treadmill. Oh, so nice. I always spend that hour listening to podcasts, watching uh, business videos on YouTube and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, just, just really getting in the right mindset, learning what I can. Mm -hmm. um, usually texting myself emails about everything I'm learning, like, okay, think about this today, implement this today or this week and, and doing that. So I spend every hour, um, that's really my time and it gets me in the right, I have all my best ideas at that point in time. That's yeah. where any of my ideas come from. And, and that's the time I've learned to invest in myself instead of watching Netflix or just totally. listening to music. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a you know, easy thing to let go of. And when you prioritize yourself and you prioritize what's important to you, it's amazing how your life can change. So I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. So second question is around investing in others, but maybe we can call it like, what is one sales hack or sales tip that you might be able to share with our audience? And this could apply to business or personal um, that you think might help them um, become a better salesperson. Right. So probably the, the biggest tip I have that will have the greatest amount of impact is to stop trying to convince people to do stuff. The second you stop and you, you approach every conversation from the standpoint of, listen, I don't know if this is going to work for you or not. 
I 100% want to have the conversation that, that ensures you have all the information you need to make the best decision for you, whether that's best for me or not, doesn't matter. And where the cards lie, you know, wherever they fall, they, they fall. And I will support that and 100%, no hard feelings. The more people can take that approach and have that mindset instead of, go, instead of going into conversations with a desired outcome and pushing towards it, the better results they're going to get. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why. There's all kinds of reasons why you uncover better information, more information. The bonding and rapport is greater. There's tons, tons of data around that. But if you just go into each conversation with the heart and the desire to help them get their best possible outcome, regardless of what the outcome is for you, mm-hmm. things will definitely go your way. Yeah. I feel like that's so much of our philosophy in our business. Um, and it has certainly, you know, led us down, um, the path for success. So I love that. Okay. Last question is around, um, investing in the world. So what is one way maybe your sales training Academy is making the world a better place? Uh, well, you know, it, I guess that helps people grow their businesses and accomplish whatever in the world it is that they want to accomplish. Yeah. Everyone has a different desire. Some want money, some want time. Some, and it helps them accomplish that. But what we do with our earnings is every single month anonymously, we, we donate like crazy. So oh, we nice. pick different causes and we, we donate a good chunk of income, sometimes locally, sometimes to you know larger charities. Um, sometimes we, we put it into people and give them the money directly. Sometimes, uh, you know, this year it's been... Uh, a lot of children, a lot of children's charities. There's another individual whose house had burnt down, and we donated to them. And we yeah. just pick different causes, and and we we redeploy our resources to people and organizations who probably can use them a little bit better than what we could. So yeah. um, while the business, I think, helps a ton of people, you know, I, I think what we're more focused on, I mean, any business does, right? Any business is just, its sole purpose is to help others. So Mm -hmm. by its very nature, people exchange money for help. So every business helps others. But I think it's important to take earnings of that business and and reinvest it in ways where sometimes maybe the, you know, they'll never know who you are. They'll never know, you know, where the help came from, but Mm -hmm. just doing that is, is fulfilling for you personally. It's it's extremely fulfilling for me, but uh, it can sometimes have, a massive impact on others. Yeah. I love the anonymous portion of it because it's so, it's like such a humble place to donate from, you know, to be just like, it doesn't matter who gave this or where it came from. The point is that it's going to help somebody. And I love that. I think it's, yeah. So and, and don't get me wrong. It's not that there's nothing in it for us because we can see the results and it is, it is extremely gratifying. So yeah. there's a definitely a selfish component there where yeah. it's like, it feels really good, and I get that, and I can see sometimes, you know, the the direct impact it has. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's anonymous because it's uh, truly altruistic. You get a lot out of it, and yeah. it is a feeling that you do start chasing over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And are your kids part of that process? Yeah, uh, they are a bit of that process. Um, they donate their time and we go and, uh, for example, Christmas, we, we do a lot where we, we go and they pick out, they make their Christmas list. But the other thing we do is they buy toys that we're going to give to, to other kids. So they get to be part of, you know, taking some or taking some of their toys and choosing which ones they're going to give. Another mm-hmm. thing before our kids get anything, 
they have to give something away to get something. So they can't just accumulate a ton of mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we teach them that way as well, just, just how to give before receiving. And it also teaches the message that when you give, you, you, you get in return, right? If you're out there in the world just trying to take, yeah. um, it, it's not a fun game and you never mm -hmm. get what you want and you're never satisfied. But if you give, so much more comes back to you. For, for example... We gave to a charity three or four months ago, mm -hmm. and, and it, was, it was a great charity, helps a lot of people, and, and nothing was expected in return. And then we, we ended up getting this, this random uh, email, and I won't go into all the details, but the email is from uh, a billionaire who heads up the charity and said, listen, love to meet with you. Let's get together, come out and, and spend a night with me. And, you, and, and these things grow from mm -hmm. giving, right? You give mm -hmm. and then you get. Mm -hmm. uh, which was, it was totally cool. And those things happen more and more. The more we give, the more we mm -hmm. seem to get back, whether it's mm -hmm. free training or advice or whatever it is. It's just, it, it's a philosophy that seems counterintuitive, but you get much more back. It's just, I don't know why it works that way, but it absolutely mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like they always say, you get, you can get everything you want in life if you just help enough mm -hmm. other people get what they want. A hundred percent believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, John, I know from this conversation, you have so much more to share and so much more wisdom to pass on to our listeners. So what's the best place that they can go to learn more about you and REI Sales Training Academy? Yeah, so uh, website's the best place. We do have uh, hundreds of free training videos we put on our website. So there's tons and tons any investor can get that goes into details about sales strategy and tactics and, and very real applicable things. Main website's midwestrev.com. Midwest Revenue Group's the name of our company. So Rev is short for revenue, midwestrev.com. And then we've also got one called Seven Figure Coach, which is seven dash figure coach. It's, it's the numeral seven, sevenfigurecoach.com. And that's good for, it's, it's really a lot of marketing stuff. We built it for other coaches and trainers that just want to get their word out. But what we realized is 90% of it is that marketing stuff we talked about. How do I get my message in front of the right people? Mm -hmm. So there's lots of free videos, tactics. We just we kind of give everything away there too that says, here's what we do. Here's how you can copy it. All right. Well, to all our listeners, you can find all of those links in the show notes. John Martinez, creator of REI Sales Training Academy. Thank you so much for being here with us today, John. Thanks, John. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast and be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.